0: Greetings and salutations, one and all. Welcome to today's episode of Risk and Reels. I am your host, Jeffrey Wheatman, And I am so excited to have a new friend joining us today. Today, we have Dr. Angela Davis-Dogan. Angela is currently working as an Associate Director for IT Cloud Computing at Kindrel. Uh, We got introduced through... Bob Malley, I think, Black Kite CSO. Um, you know, we were, I have a lot of people in my network. I was sort of starting to run out of cool people. And I reached out to Bob and I said, who do you got? And he put me on to you. And you and I had a call a couple weeks ago. And I just think we really hit it. So I am super, super excited for you to be here. So say hello to all the Risk and Reels listeners out there.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm glad to be here too. With my new buddy. Awesome.
0: Yes. Awesome. 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 So I, before we get started, I have to ask you a question. I always, I always like to see, talk about what's going on behind people. So you got some posters back there, obviously Paris. I see the Eiffel tower, Mm -hmm. any significance to, uh, to the artwork behind you on the wall?
1: The only significance is really that I love the color palette and it coincides with the colors in my office. And okay. every time I look at it, it gives me this warm and fuzzy. Like it, it calms me. So All that's, right. that's my calming mechanism that you see behind me.
0: You I don't know, you seem pretty calm when we talk. <laughs> So
1: you are too funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. So before, before before we started recording, uh Angela and I were talking about where we came from, and both of us are from New York. So that's why the hands are going, and that's why we're gonna step on each other quite a bit as we as we go through this. Uh I I I think those interactions are much more interesting than uh, hey, I'm gonna ask you a question, I'm gonna listen. So, all right, awesome. So As everyone knows, we always start off with a movie question. So let me see. Um, What are we going to ask today? Uh, All right. So um, I'm a big fan of thrillers. Um, So what movie that falls into the thriller genre surprised you? You know, maybe you started going in with one thought, and ended up in an entirely different place. So
1: let's start there. Halloween, the end. Which is the final um, Halloween that came out? What a year or so ago. Okay. Yes that that one definitely had some twists and turns, and I was very curious about how they were going to bring that saga to an end because it's been around so long. I think I saw the first one when I was ten, eleven. So that's been some years. Been some. Yeah. Years. Um. So I was excited, and. Kind of curious at the same time.
0: All right. So so what's, I, I, I have to be honest with you, I've, I've never seen that movie. I sort of got a little burnt out on on a lot of those kind of, those, those movies. But what, su- what surprised you about
1: it? You know, Michael Myers was um, Jamie's character brother. Mm-hmm. And I think through all the Halloweens, there was sort of a little struggle there. And, and you know, my thing was, are they really going to out him? Like, how is it going to be her that does it? Is it, you know, is it going to be her daughter? Who, who is it that's going to out him? And is she going to be okay? Is she truly going to be okay with that? All All right. All right.
0: I, I like that. So, so, so I'll, I'll give you the, the thriller that, that sort of surprised me. Um, and it's funny cause this, this has actually come up quite a few times on, um, on, on the podcast. Um, John wick, maybe not necessarily a thriller, but to me, just all of the twists and turns – and I don't know if you saw the the last one, and I don't want to ruin it. It's been out a while. I guess it's not really a a spoiler anymore. Um, but I, the, way, the way it ended, I think, surprised me. Now, we keep hearing stories that maybe they're going to make another one.
1: Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Again, don't want to ruin it. but So it's interesting, though, because you said that Michael Myers is dead. But is he really? Because hasn't he been dead like 15 times
1: already? Right, right, right. So that's, yeah, like, that I, was my thing. I'm like, how are they going to – finalize right the death yeah, yeah. Like, And I, st- I mean i i don't know i i still don't know i don't know
0: yeah here's the problem if they think they can make more money making a movie they're gonna make another movie
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: um Absolutely. but but so here's what's interesting i think about that that choice the first one was a a jump out scary movie right right now it was it was it's funny because we—my so daughter's seventeen—and she got into horror movies a couple of years ago. So we've been watching, and the movies that we watch when we were kids that scared us—the kids these days don't find them that scary. Right. And and yeah. and like nobody gets killed in the original Halloween until like an hour in, uh, and and it's interesting. But I think the evolution from that sort of creepy suspenseful horror to okay how many people we can kill and how many how many couples can we can kill in the creepiest way possible and how many people are going to go oh i know let's go into the basement because it'll be safe there right right and then it turned into this kind of more psychological drama that that you just you, you just put in. And, and I think that's really interesting. And I think that actually ties back to your career. You have a, a, a great background. You've been around for, uh, as we say, a couple of 24s. And one of the things that we talked about when we, when we sort of first met was about physical security and the evolution of physical. And, you know, my former employer, uh, Gartner, talks about cyber physical and that kind of overlap. And I think that's an area that is very interesting, a little bit scary. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd like to kind of get your thoughts just as a starting point. So how do you see, number one, the, the evolution of security around physical? But I think more relevant is, how do we see that stuff converging? Do we do we see future CISOs, all of them owning physical and digital? So wax poetic for 35, 40 minutes. I'm not gonna talk anymore. <laughs> Who <am I> kidding?
1: <laughs> you know, it it's it's it, it's funny. We hear a lot about cyber risk, right? Cyber risk, cyber posture. But In today's language about it, you're right. We don't really talk about the physical. One, because a lot of stuff is moving to the cloud. Um, And two, with COVID, a lot of people are remote. Um, And so, you know, I would would like to think that it's still going to play a role. I don't really know if it's going to be a factor under the CISO umbrella. And I say that because what I've, what I've been seeing in the industry is a lot of organizations have facility, facilities management, and they have someone over that. And that person tends to be over physical security now. And so I don't know if it will ever shift with um, everyone migrating to cloud. I I don't think, I think that it will be its own thing, if that makes sense. What I haven't figured out yet that I'm actually pretty curious about is a lot of the regulatory bodies, a lot of the industry standards still have a physical security section. Okay. So when you're thinking about that from that perspective, I think the CISO will always have a hand, right? Um, In what physical security is for the organization. How does it look? Because they'll have to, they typically are the ones that have to respond um, to audits and assessments and and things like that, or someone on their team. So I think they'll kind of always be in the know, but I don't know if they're going to continue to be responsible for it. Interesting. Or, so, I mean, so let me
0: ask you a question because I think I think when people hear physical, I think there's sort of physical like access control, right? So right. who gets into your office? Who gets into the data center? But what about? The physical security for devices. I'm I'm if you're not watching me a video, I'm holding up a phone. Uh, so what about the the to me that is a more interesting challenge around sort of cyber? Like I always say cybersecurity is one aspect of risk, but it often has an outsized impact, right? Because a cyber breach causes other following things. So do you mm-hmm. see do you see a split between okay, physical access control, uh, or, you know, Dr. Davis, D- Dogen, you can come in here, uh, but Jeffrey Wheatman, you cannot. Yeah. Versus versus the sort of cyber physical um do. thing there. I
1: do. I do, I do see a difference. Um, once upon a time, at least when I started into when I started in the field way back when, they weren't separate. It was all under one umbrella, but now, yes, there is a distinct difference. And when people say the phrase physical security, they think about just what you said, the access control, the physical access to data centers and the building and visitor policies and stuff like that. But when you talk about the physical security of devices, that tends to fall on get hidden really under that umbrella of cyber. It's a part of cyber risk.
0: That scares scares me though, right? Because I I think there's two, if you look at the continuum, right? If everybody owns it, nobody does it. And if nobody owns it, nobody does it. Right. So where, where do we kind of all bring that together? And I think to your point that people are working remotely much more, I think- the physical part becomes more of a challenge, right and not only more
1: of a challenge but more of a risk you know when you 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 put the physical security in place for your buildings right, and people are working in those buildings, their devices are in those buildings right you you have cameras you can monitor the activity, remote workers you 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 don't have that visibility you don't have right. that visibility on their devices and Well, that- at least
0: not as far as those people know cuz that big exactly. brother's watching, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, so all you can do is make sure that the devices have security measures, but that still doesn't protect the physical security of those right. devices right, right. And, and, and you
0: know you, you you've been around a while um we know back in the day the the adage was if somebody gets physical control of your devices it's game over i don't care how good no. your digital controls are and one of the things that we've been hearing so so in in our platform we bring in data like from uh like shodan is a is a data mm-hmm. source right and we know shodan is all about iot um and we're seeing increasing um, outsized impact as a result of, of some of these things. And then you look out there and you look at some of the breaches that we've seen. So fairly recently, we saw there was a ransomware attack at a port in Japan, uh, the port of Nagano, I think is the name. And um I guarantee you, no, no CEO in the companies realized that their stuff was going through that port. That they couldn't get raw material. They couldn't get components. They couldn't get product out, right? So we see we see some of that physical impact as well. So so when you're talking with clients with with customers and you're advising CISOs and 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 the like, how what are you telling them? Sort of the future. What does it look like in the future? Short term, long term from from that convergence or lack of convergence.
1: I think um you know very often physical security doesn't even come up anymore which is actually kind of scary. I agree. Not about, not as scary as Halloween but scary. Right. It's all about cyber cyber risk and you know reputational risk, financial impact, rep, um We don't have the we don't have those conversations anymore, and so and when I have brought it up, the response has been, "Oh well, we have a we have a um, director of facilities that handles that. We got a guy
0: who does that, right? We got a guy he does that, or she, yeah, Yeah. yes,
1: yes. Um, And if you want to know more about it, you got to talk to them, kind of kind of thing. And I I just go, oh okay you know i i i don't know you don't know what you don't know right and i don't know if i necessarily agree with that i think that yes we need to keep up with um cyber risk because new cyber attacks happen every day look at yesterday did you did you hear that MGM got, got breach uh, oh are they they're under ransomware attack yeah,
0: they're still I think 36 hours in they're still yeah and people don't realize MGM owns a lot of different hotel chains and we I don't know about you but we, we I was just out in Vegas for Black hat and Defcon um could you imagine if it happened that week? It would have been terrible <laughs> terrible it might have been fun, but yeah no no good wow. and who would have gotten blamed um,
1: and, and you know we think about so thinking about those things, I, I struggle I, I do. I struggle with who should own it, who should be responsible for it, should we slide it? right? Yeah. Um, and you know well here's,
0: I, the, here's the thing about ownership though. to my mind, it doesn't actually matter who owns it as long as you have the conversation. Right. Mm. And it sounds like what you said is people are not even having the conversation. They're like, that's their job. Right. Right. So, so how would you, so, okay. So the security people, physical cyber, right. Well, they work for people, they work for business executives. So if I'm a CEO and I come to you and I say, so, so, so Angela, what, who should own this? What do you tell them? How do you, how do you facilitate that conversation when the number of zeros in these things is very different compared to what, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, MGM is a multi, multi-billion dollar company. And I don't think anyone would have assumed that any kind of a breach would have that kind of an impact. So what do you tell people who don't, who are not having those conversations?
1: Number one, I tell them that they need to have the conversation, but they need to do more than have the conversation. Okay. Now I am, I am, Now, because I wouldn't always, um, I am now a person that I don't want to talk about it a lot. Let's talk about it with a goal. Okay. Let's strategize. Let's figure out who should, who should own it. Who should be responsible or should the responsibility be shared? And it, the conversations. So we don't need to just have a conversation about it. We need to have a conversation that's going to lead to an action. It needs to be a strategic conversation on, we got this thing, right? We need to have control of this thing. How are we going to control it? And who, to your point, is going to be responsible for it, right? And because there's so much going on, I can tell you that most conversations like that, people don't step up and say, I'll do it. Nobody does that.
0: No, I I agree, and and um you know I, I spent 15 years working at Gartner before I came to Black Kite, and I loved it there. But uh, one of the challenges I always faced was there was a lot of discussion, like we well how do we define this? Okay, you know what we're defining stuff nobody cares about. People have problems they need to solve, so I I love that that approach, and and I think you're right, right? It's got to be so so what what do we do, right? What's right? What's next? Um, so, so let me ask you a question, right? So you, again, you have a, 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 you know, nice career. You've been to a lot of different places and done a lot of cool things. Can you share a story from your past where you kind of had to facilitate that conversation? Look, we have a problem. Nobody's stepping up. What do we do? How do we do that? So, cause I, I always, I think people like these conversations are great, but I think people love to hear, okay, so how did you solve this problem that we can't solve? So what do you, no, what do you got from your career? Mm, A lot of that. <laughs> well, we got
1: some time. I'll take a couple of them. It's a, a a lot of that because, and I think it has to do with personally how I approach things. You know, I don't like to have a com- lot of conversations of full of nothing. Um, one weakness of mine that has also been a strong point in this area is if nobody will own it, I'll. I'll volunteer. So in, in, and I've sat in conversations where the oversight, right. In terms of policy has been my responsibility, but the actual processes and procedures, right. That make that company adhere to the policy doesn't fall on me. So it's typically had to be me leading those conversations because I own the policy. Um and what I've found is I've had to wind up being the one to volunteer and said, "Okay, I here's who I feel should own this. Executives, you decide, let me know." And what I will do is I will help them develop their their procedures or refine their procedures. Whatever state we're in, I'll help them get to that next level, and then I'll take on a consulting role because they gotta own it. Because most of the time, people need a lift, right? It's the start that people struggle with, but right. once once they've got that foundation laid, then they can they can they do better at managing it. And so that's been my um, my my uh, role, if you will, in in not only physical security but cybersecurity as well. I'll take the first lift, right? I'll I'll help jump them off, and they maintain or even refine and monitor what it is I've the foundation I've laid for them.
0: But- So so I love that. But so let me ask you a question then because one of the challenges that I always found when I was advising security executives is it's one thing to own it, it's another to be accountable for it. And I think what happens in a lot of cases is we own it, but we end up being accountable for someone else's bad decisions, right? I mean, how many times in your career have you had this conversation? So, hey boss, this thing's bad. And they go, ooh, you're right, that sounds terrible. What should we do? And you go, well, we got a couple of options. What's the cheapest one? We'll take that.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you sure?
0: Because we're pretty exposed. Yeah, no, we'll take that. We'll, we're, we're good. And then something bad happens, and who gets in trouble? Dr. Angela Davis Dogan, right? Yeah. So, how do we, because that that to me might be the biggest problem. And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion recently about CISO burnout and, you know, how it's not getting better. And, you know, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. There's a lot of discussion there. And we were talking before we started recording about a great organization called Cyversity. Um where, you know, I'm in a mentoring program there, and and there's a lot of discussion around CISO burnout and the level of stress, and I think a big chunk of that is because of the the accountability, right? Right? Oh, nice. CISOs are being asked to make decisions, mm-hmm. and then they're held accountable, but it's not their risk; it's someone else's risk, right? So how do we how do we get the bit? You know, I mean, for 15 years at Gartner, one of my big talk tracks was you got to talk to the business, you got to talk to the business. It's gotten better, but it's not where where it needs to be. So, so what do you see from an accountability perspective? How can we make that better? Education.
1: People do not want to be accountable and own stuff they don't understand. Right. Okay. Right. And I think part of that is why um, you see this shift in the experience of a CISO. They're wanting more CISOs with business side experience. Ability- I'm, holding
0: my, I'm holding my thumb up while you say yeah. that, because I agree.
1: So the, you can't go in talking technical to non-technical people. Um, and I think there needs to be education. There needs to be education of what the risks are, which I think the CISO is good at, at telling the business what the risks are. I think there's a challenge with getting them to understand what it means to own and be accountable for that risk. Right. What what does that truly mean? But you got to explain it in dollars and cents. You can't explain it in cyber language, right? You you've got to explain it in their language. And I think- and you also you also can't say high,
0: medium, low. No, right? Right. no, because. Because high, medium, low, high is you know what I what had a fight with my sp- my spouse last night. I'm in a bad mood. I didn't get a good night's sleep. Uh, that we were at a coffee this morning. Somebody like that, is, it, and that's that's actually a really really important concept. And and Bob and I talk about that all the time. You know, he's a huge fair guy, and we talk about implementation of open fair uh, and and you know cyber risk quantification. And I think we're moving in the right direction. But I feel like there's a defensibility problem there. Yeah. And I think to yeah. your point about education, I don't think we do a, a good job. I'm, I'm a big proponent of let's tell a story, right?
1: Yes. So, yeah.
0: you know, like I, some of the examples I've been using are ION UK and the Port of Nagano. And, uh, and there's, there's an organization called Seven Rooms, right? We were talking about MGM. So Seven Rooms is a CRM company. Um, and they had a breach last year. And I've talked about it before. I stayed in MGM property. They have my data. I don't know who they are. I didn't agree to stay with them. Right? right. And that's the and that's where that the kind of third party and extended ecosystem risk that that we've been talking about is such a challenge. But coming back again to that that communication, I feel like we need to build scenarios to help people understand. And and one of the things that came out of the SEC ruling that I think is you need to now sit down with your business executives and say okay so we talk about ransomware mm-hmm. is it possible that that might be material yes okay then let's have a discussion about that where resilience is is the area where we start we're starting to hear a lot more um Data breach, right? We have these big, broad things, and I think some of them are more or less likely to be material. And I think that materiality discussion, and I don't know about you, but I am like frustrated with all the CISOs online arguing about materiality. And I'm going to say it again. I've said it before. You're a CISO. Your job is not to define materiality. That's the business's job. Your job is to, to your point, explain to them here's the business process that's going to be impacted, Mm -hmm. right? Like,
1: how it's going to be impacted. Right, right. And that's the challenge because so many of them cannot articulate that in a manner that's digestible by the business. Mm -hmm.
0: So how do we fix that? We've been talking about this for years. How do we fix that problem? Do we make them all go get MBAs? Do we do? So if you remember, right. Do you remember when we were younger, you and I, a lot of big companies had management training pro ta- pro programs, right? Where, all right, you're going to go spend six weeks in marketing. You're going to spend six weeks in, in r and D. I don't see that anymore. Maybe that's no. what we need. Oh
1: my God. That aggravates me to death. Okay. That aggravates me to death. Here's why. And I actually recommended this at one of my previous companies. Okay. And some people got offended actually, because I don't see you caring that you offend people. (laughs) Me, me either. So my suggestion was that we have training for the C-suite. Okay. The misconception is that the C-suite doesn't need training. All right. And I'm not talking about the annual security awareness training that everybody has to go through or right. the compliance training. I'm talking about leadership training. How to how to take technical and make it non-technical. How to train and educate people, right, on risk. How things like that and the assumption is is that once you reach that level, you don't need that type of training. So that's why you don't see it. That's why right. you don't see it. So yeah. I have had to spend a lot of time consulting. Okay. Um, consulting executives on strategies in this area, just how to tra- how to train people, how to get people on board to understand that they own the risk and they have to be accountable and how do I teach them what accountability of this risk means, right? Instead of them saying, shoo, shoot, go away. You're, you know, you're, you're the security person. You're supposed to handle that. And it's been a lot of undercover. I will be honest, a, a lot of undercover training that I've personally done. Um, That you know, I wouldn't dare call names, Um, but it's sad that that training just isn't that that training isn't there. They don't feel it should be there, and it's really unfortunate because it needs to be there.
0: I agree. I love that idea. Maybe it's something you and I could talk about in the future, but I agree. And I think you have to you have to be very careful about how you do it, right? Because if you go to people mm-hmm. and go, hey, we're gonna teach you something you don't know, they get very different. Like, very let's face ridiculous. it, right? You don't you don't get in that corner office, you don't get on the boards for these big companies without having um a lot of self-confidence, right? I don't want to use the word wow. ego because I think that has a has a negative connotation. Um, I mean, my dad raised me. Any day I don't learn something is a day wasted as far as I am yeah. concerned. And I think to your point, I don't think there is enough of that. So what do we call it, right? You, you got to be careful because you you don't want to call it education. You don't want to call it training. When I was at, at my last job, I had a role where I was a leadership partner and I was partnered with CISOs and they said, don't call yourself a coach.
1: But right. why? If, well, because you know I got a name. Let's hear it. Please. Keys to success.
0: I think. I think. I think. I think. I'm going to register that URL. I think you and I are going to go into business together tomorrow.
1: But keys to success. You got to put a positive spin on it. Yeah. And you got to make the title display the what's in it. And I'm putting them in quotes. What's in it for me? Attitude that we have today. Right. 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 What's in it for me? And don't make me look like I need to learn something.
0: Right. Right.
1: Okay. Yeah. So no, you can't call it training. No, you can't call it a workshop. Right. It is a conversation about your, your keys to success. I like yeah. that. I should have thought about that earlier. <laughs>
0: well, maybe maybe we don't want to put that out in recording because people will steal your idea. All right, we'll 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 have to talk to Haley, uh, who's our producer. Uh maybe she will edit that part out. It'll be recorded, <laughs> but, so we got yes. yes, that's right. Prior art. Yes. But I, I agree, and I think you you nailed it, and I think that's a really, really good point to sort of start to wrap up is how do we Educate people without telling them that we're educating them. How do we bring them up to speed without saying, I know something you don't know, right? And I think that's important. There was um, there was a Slack conversation in this mentoring program that I'm in, and somebody was talking about problems. I said, no, no, you don't have problems. You have challenges. You have opportunities. Right. And that was a lesson I learned a long, long time ago when I was at Martha Stewart years ago. Um, my boss, uh, a fabulous CIO named uh, Sheila Bouchain, she said, you know what? When you come to me to talk about something, don't tell me you have a problem. Tell me what the solution is. And I yeah. took that lesson. That was a long time yeah. ago. And thank yeah. you, Sheila, for that. Um, but I think that's a really, really, uh, a really critical thing. So, um, all right. So we've talked quite uh, quite extensively. I think we've covered a lot of topics. Um, we could talk forever and maybe we'll have you come back another time. And I'm looking forward to actually meeting you in person one day, hopefully yes. soon. Um, so any final thoughts uh, from you before we we do our kind of wrap up?
1: I think that if I had one last thing to say, it would be, it would be um, for us to, to recognize that the thing we already know, cyber attacks aren't going to cease. Um, and yes, there needs to be a focus on them, but there also needs to be a focus on the other security areas as well, such as physical security now the dynamic of that may change because we have so many ro- remote workers but we still need to keep that at the at the forefront of our mind right and and understand that education 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 is key to our success
0: all right Love it. So let me, I'll just kind of do a couple of summaries because I think we hit on some really, really good things. So I think there's been a trend around physical. I think people need to start looking at it differently. And I think that's a key and you, you hit on that. And I think the accountability is, is huge. And that's a problem we've had for a long time. And, and I think you nailed it, which is. The only way to get people to accept accountability is to make sure they understand what they're making decisions about, and we collectively as security people, I don't think have done a, a good job. Um, yep. You know, I, I have to be very careful when I post on LinkedIn. But there, there was a, a CISO who posted something, and he said, "You ready? Hold on." My job is CISO to protect my is to protect my organization's data, and I went no, that is not your job. Your job is to educate your business stakeholders so they can make better decisions. And I obviously have to be super careful about saying those kinds of things, but that's it. So that's
1: a part two conversation that we probably yes. could talk for another hour or two just on that.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Uh, so thank you uh, to Dr. Angela Davis-Dogan for joining us. This was really, really fun. Um, And I am looking forward to, to catching up in the future and doing some great work together. So for those of you out there listening, stay safe, stay secure, stay healthy. Wheatman out. This has been another episode of Risk and Reels. Make sure you subscribe below. You don't want to miss any further episodes. Thank you for listening to Risk and Reels, a cybersecurity podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to riveting 30-minute conversation about movies and cybersecurity. Jeffrey will be on the road this year at some of the industry's biggest events, but you can always find him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Jeffrey Wheatman. This podcast is powered by Black Hat the only security rating service to deliver the highest quality intelligence to help organizations make better risk decisions.